Today's podcast is sponsored by the Royal Homeland Constabulary. If you dream of a hopeful future with endless opportunity, travel and top-notch training, sign up to the RHC. You'll be paid one groat per week. You'll get your own straw cesspit in the communal barracks and you'll have a wonderful time mingling with all the thieves, bandits, muggers and other assorted scum and villainy. Sounds lovely. But when they say travel, they just mean down the street to find out who threw eggs at Madame Brandybox's garter showhouse. And it's usually just Bert. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week is... Pete Coffey from the Southampton Guild for Players. Russ has ever, I am absolutely delighted to be here. But wait, is that a guest we have? A guest! How exciting! (laughs) Yes, we have a caster bastard. We have a great (laughs) grotesque as a guest. You flatter me. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. That's a hell of, that's a hell of an introduction. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Olson is working on uh, with uh, uh, comic writer Jim Zub on mm. uh, Skull Kickers, Caster mm. Bastards, and the Great Grotesque. So, right. Skull Kickers is a, a comic book written by Jim Zub, and yes. this is a hardcover compilation. Isn't it? No, it's a new it's a new strip, isn't it? And and a D and D adventure to go with it. Exciting. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And Peter, Marvelous. can I just say what a thrill it is to be? What can I say? Like referred to as? But wait, we have a guest as a fan of the show. <laughs> just to be the target of that was delightful. <gasps> Thank you. Oh, but I am, I am, I'm honestly excited <laughs> to have him. School kickers is like. Oh, the comic strips. I think. Oh, I, I. Oh, that needs reading. Yeah. But I just haven't bought myself a graphic novel, so maybe I should. Yeah, I. I, I, think, I think it's worth reading. I'm sure I will be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think it's actually compulsory now. It's mandatory. <laughs> oh, in which case, uh, I have no choice but to. Yeah. Go you have no choice. No. No. Oh, well, never mind. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we whip through some RPG news? Yes. Oh, well, I think we should give it the care and consideration it deserves. It deserves, or uh, so we're through that. Depends on the news, I guess. <laughs> so uh, the big news, I suppose, for this week is that Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, hit stores. Mm-hmm. It's oh. been released. You can pop down to your local game store or buy it from Amazon right now. Yep. Have you got it? Have you seen it? Have I got it? No, I, I, I mm. haven't picked it up. No. Oh, no, you mean because I'm not. Not going near any shops at the moment. Right. No. I I kept thinking last week, every time I saw that it was coming out on Monday, I kept thinking, oh, right, that's coming out. And I'd, I'd go, wait mm-hmm. a minute, I, you're not going to get that. Because <laughs> I'm not going to run it. I just, I'm not going to have the time or space to run it anytime soon. And as much as yeah. I'd like to I'm, see I'm it, s- I bet a friend of mine will run it and I'll play it. Yeah. And I, so I don't kind of want to. I'm having that problem now because I've got, I've got a shelf of oh, D&D yeah. adventures now. Like, it's that wide. As I say, holding my hands out on a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty wide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, holding them about a yeah. metre apart. Uh, maybe no, a metre and a half, which no. is like no. essentially no. a yard and six inches. I was just going to say, I, I couldn't see his fingertips. 
They went um, out of the frame. I don't have any fingertips. That's why, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh my god! It, 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 it's because <laughs> just a pause. No, it's, it's okay. Russ has deceptively short arms. It's like yeah, it's, it, it looks, it looks like they're quite long. Actually, T Rex arms. Yeah, basically. What was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. So I've got so many of them, and I've only run three of them. And that's even that's a lie. I've run two and a bit. So. It kind of, it, I kind of feel like just buying new storylines now is just like adding things to a shelf that's never going to get used, mm-hmm. which is a real shame because they are, you know, Wizards does put out really high yeah. quality adventures. I get that limited edition cover. the The special mm. cover looks so cool, but mm. I but I have had yeah. two friends say this week, I think I'm going to run this. Like this is the thing nice. I want to run next. I'm like, well, I'll probably play yeah. one of those games. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Tasha's would be Tasha's yeah. um, Cauldron of Everything is going to get more use for me. That's a must-buy. Mm. Just because that applies to pretty much every game you play. Yeah, but, yeah. But the storylines, I'm struggling to keep up. I really am. <laughs> a lot of them, and yeah. they're big. Well, I mean, um, it's not. Well, the, I, I don't. I can't speak for the actual product itself, but the changes to Adventurers League because there's a new mm. season because we've got a new hardcover. Yes. Thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> well, it's like it's. I sort of like you know the uh, yeah I'm part of a guild of role players. It's like yeah we sort of care about this sort of yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah, it's um, uh, how would you describe it, Mike? Well, <laughs> I was going to say that almost all of my D and Ding in Fifth Edition has been in the Adventurers League. So that's all to say that I've been like really connected with the AL this time. So every rules change like I really get and matters to me. Yes, Season mm. Eight was so like well intentioned, but it was so complicated and unfun. It, it, <laughs> it, it was. It was a Big yeah. step change. I sort of am appreciating what they did, which was they moved from an XP system to a time spent playing system. And which you'd think would be simpler, but it felt more complicated. Um, so season 10, so season 9, I feel like fixed everything enough. It was like really, really simplified everything. It's that when you finish an adventure, you gain a level, that's it. <laughs> if you want. Yeah. <laughs> gain a yeah. level if you yeah. want. Yeah. You have an option. And yeah. yeah it, was, it, it, it sort of worked. It wasn't like, there was still... There were some things which could have done with a bit of clarification, yeah. just to make things a bit smoother, a bit easier. And it was, and the advertisement was, okay, don't worry, season 10, we'll just have like a bit of an update, no worries. Yeah, and but... Like, season 10 was not a little bit of an update, no worries. Well, they, they went back so, to so the So what thing, season's this one? This is, this 10. is season 10. Yeah. This is season 10 now. Okay. Yes. At first, they were really big on, okay, seasonality. You have to make a season 9 character if you play. You have any other character, they can't play in this season you can only play old adventures, and people are like, "Hey, what? <laughs> why should I? Yeah. Why would I want to do that?" There were pitchforks, there yeah. were torches. So then it they was like they walked right that way the back. They said, "Okay, if you yeah. make a new season nine character, you can have these special perks." People are like, "Okay, that's fine." So now in season ten, it, they've kind of gone back to that seasonality thing, which makes me think that Watsi really is pushing for this <laughs> right, because right. because it, it's come back again. Yeah, and uh, so, and so I, I don't so, know how that's so, going to shake out. So talking of this season ten, then this is this is where the, it, we've got this preview of the variant system from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything for character creation, isn't it? Yeah, the Wild Magic Barbarian and the other. I uh, know. Well, there is that. Yes. But what I was what I was talking about oh, is yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you know the new lineage system yeah, where yeah, you, yeah. you can customize yes. your origin in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that they've been talking about yeah. in the uh, player's guide document for the current season of Adventurers League. Mm-hmm. It's got a preview. It's got an appendix which shows you that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. Bad. And uh, it's it's, uh, it's not as 
I thought it was going to be unless unless this is only part of the system. I thought it was going to be more than this. More nuanced. Mm. It's very yeah. I thought it was going to be a bigger thing. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. But it's uh, so what it is is uh, you can basically move your race ability score increases to wherever you want. Mm-hmm. You can replace each language in your race with any language from a set list. Okay. Yeah, uh, you can swap each proficiency for another of the same type. Like a tool okay. proficiency for a tool proficiency, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can freely alter the behavior and personality race-based descriptions. Uh, I mean, there's okay. a little bit more detail than that, but that's the sort of super short yeah. Cliff Notes version of it. Yeah. The example given the player's guide is an yeah. elf who didn't grow up around other elves, maybe, and instead of longsword proficiency, uh, they have a, like, musical instrument proficiency, and mm. instead of uh, perception... For free, they get performance for free. Like, that's yeah. their thing. So were you guys expecting more? Kind of, of this yeah, but I, I thought it was kind of refreshing. System. It was so small. So, so, so brief. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I didn't really have any strong expectations. Um, yeah. my, my, my issue has been is Season 10 is now not compatible with Seasons 1 to 9. Like, seems, if you play a Season 10 adventure, yeah. you cannot receive mm-hmm. a reward if you're playing with a Season 1 to 9 character. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah. And you have to opt out of season 10 when you get to level 5, and you can't opt back in again. Well, you, so have, it's like, you have the option of once yes. once you hit tier 2, you can yes. go do non-season 10 stuff, but then you are not mm. in Icewind Dale anymore. You can, it reminds me of the Ravenloft season, right, where you were stuck there, and as soon as you were able to escape, uh, like you couldn't play any other adventure as long as you were stuck in Ravenloft. You had to play season 4 adventures. Um, when you were yeah. able to escape, then you could do whatever you wanted, but hmm. and you probably. But if you went back in, you had to try to get out again. Escape, like yeah. As, yeah. yeah, but that's that's. At legit. least you could go back, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it wasn't didn't completely stop you from doing anything else, though. I mean, right. But the thing is, if you've got a new player coming into the game, it's like well, we're playing absolutely has written in the player's handbook, except for this increasing document of <laughs> kind of strange restrictions, which like just mean that. As a group of GMs, we're like, well, why would we play season? Why would we run season ten? It's not good for us. It's not good for the new players. I guess we'll keep mining away at the season one to nine. Well, I think. Stuff. I think one thing is that right now, yes. mm. uh, only a season ten character could be made with a material from Tasha. Oh, man, that is and the that, issue. That is pretty compelling, and only a season ten character and up can use these. This like you know uh, lineage you know, modified race system. So mm. I think those are pretty compelling reasons, but it is kind of lousy to like have to provide incentive to turn your back on all of this other content that's out there. There's so much on the DMs go. There's so many CCCs, you know, the third party mm. created yeah. adventures, including mine. <laughs> and now like if you play season 10, you just can't do any of that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, what I don't know why I call it season 10. Basically it's season one of a new campaign. Yeah. That's what it is. Anyway, so, should we move on with the yeah, news? Sure. Yes, 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 right. right. So, uh, you, you, Mike, you mentioned earlier the two uh, subclasses from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Right. Oh. I can't remember the name of the Warlock. And Warlock. Yeah. 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 Um, so, these were these both from Unearthed Arcana before? I don't know I think if the, the Barbarian wild definitely was. Right? I don't know if the Warlock was. I don't know. Which, which, I, I forget which warlock it is, and I should know, because I'm going to have to know for tomorrow. Uh, the genie. The genie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the um, genie yes. was Genie's in there, wasn't it? Yeah, like genie was yeah. in there. Yes, they both are. They, they, they were okay. quite, I, I liked that one, because it was really flavorful. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm. Whereas that, and we've got the path of wild magic from the barbarian. Which seems <laughs> weird, but yes. I have a great character origin for that. You were bitten by a radioactive <laughs> wizard. <laughs> and... <laughs> Okay, I've gone from I'm not sure to solved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You just have to find my origin story. Yeah. Just buy a yeah. yeah, it works. <laughs> the same way rangers get their powers. I can't um, argue with that. Bitten by a ranger. <laughs> sure it? Bitten by a radioactive ranger. Yeah, that's how I got my ranger um, powers. Um, um, so is that basic? Is that basically the new rule now? From now on, all characters get that get their powers from being bit by a radioactive version of themselves. Has that not been the case? So, so yeah. far? Uh, yes, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So it's been the case in uh, my games. Yeah. I, I, can, I can only hope someone plugs that leak into everyone uh, at some point. Cause it was wrong. I blame your officers. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Is there anything else for us? I realize two items. <laughs> the, yes, yes, there's quite a lot of use. Mm. Sorry. Uh, Diamond Throne. Let's talk about Diamond Throne, shall we? Isn't that a book by David Eddings? Um, it is not. It is a setting by Monty Cook. Oh, okay. Which he did um, years and years ago, back when he was running Malhavoc Press, so this would have been early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So it would have been for 3E or 3.5. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's making a return now, but it's not going to be Monty Cook Games producing it. So it's going to be for the Cypher system rather than for D&D. Which is the system that powers Numenera and all their other games, The Strange, mm -hmm. those games. But there's an Italian company that's producing it for them, and it's called Here Be Dragons. Ooh. And they've launched a Kickstarter, which has funded and is still funding as we talk. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so the Diamond Throne is like a, a world that's like it's ruled by giants, and there's all these uh, rituals and magic crystals. And there's these uh, former overlords that are sort of not entirely lost to the past. So it's a... Uh, Monty Cook settings tend to be very, very flavourful, mm. I find. Dollars. Yeah, he, he likes to sort of verge into the slightly, you know, off the beaten track with his settings and with his rules and things. So it's not... it's not They're not usually sort of like core D&D, &D, Western, European hobbits and, you know... the standard sort of Forgotten Realms kind of feel that you normally get. Was this mm. associated with his uh, Arcana Unearthed and Arcana Evolved back in the day? Were they connected I at all? Because I remember those. No. I, I mean, those were... Those they were, were, rules, they were cool alternate they? rules. I did. I played yeah, an Arcana yeah. Earth character. But they were, yeah, they were neat. That, so I figured yeah. maybe there was a setting that went with it. Diamond Throne did sound familiar, but I'm, I'm not really familiar with it. Yeah, I've, I've never I've never played Diamond Throne yeah. at all, so I don't know that much about it. I'm just reading this off the page right now. But um, right. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a nice picture of a, of a of a castle with a dragon sitting on top of the castle. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And the castle does not look happy about it. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> be happy if a dragon sat on me. To be fair. Unless he's there. Unless it was like a tiny little shoulder dragon. Right. That would be all right. Yeah. Hmm. And then when anyone annoyed me, it could just like burp fire into their face. Uh, well, the, pro the problem with that is it's just like the back of your clothes just get all covered and eats yeah. for anything, that stuff. In drag Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'd just have to wear sort of like a bib on my back. That's why they wear capes. That's why they wear capes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the cause of protection <laughs> against <laughs> dragon waste. Precisely. Yeah. Hey, bunkers and badasses. That sounds like a great game. Okay. 
Yeah, so this is, um, you know, the Borderlands um, action shooter game. I'm familiar with it, not played not, I've, I've not played it either, but there's an RPG version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called yeah, Bunkers and Badasses. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses its own system, which blends fantasy with the Borderlands game experience. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a source book with over 200 pages. Um, which includes jokes, three full adventure campaigns, and yeah, and it's uh, being produced by Nerdvana Games. Hmm. So I think I think this is definitely for people who are fans of the video game because I'm not familiar with it myself. But as I understand it, it's uh, Bunkers and Badasses is, is a game within the video game. I think. Oh, I, yeah, I think I heard that. Oh. So this is the this is that game brought to life. Oh, and I think. that's better. Yeah, sure. Wow. I've heard worse ideas. Does it does it have its own system or does it use something else? Uh, yeah, it's its own system, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Well, I'm more interested now. Yes. Uh, that's basically all I know about it, unfortunately. Oh. I'm not no. familiar with it. We shall look forward to seeing it. That's yeah. the point. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I found yeah. that Bungers and Badasses thing. Oh, yes. Okay, so it's in the download content for the video game Borderlands 2. And it's called no. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. And Tiny Tina leads a group of vault hunters from the first Borderlands game in a session of Bunkers and Badasses, which the players of the video game then play through. And it's kind of a parody on D&D. But there's also a thing called Tiny Tina's Robot Tea Party as well. Oh. Which is also downloadable content for that game. But the um, Bunkers and Badasses thing is a tabletop RPG, which is the tabletop RPG that Tiny Tina runs in the video game, I believe. If I'm understanding this correctly. Bit of trivia for you. Uh, Voiced by Ashley Birch, known for her roles in Alloy in Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Tiny Tina in Borderlands 2 and 3. And others. Well, this is interesting. This is coming from Pelgrane Press. And this is uh, an anthology of erotic art games called Honey and Hot Wax. Uh... I don't think this is for everybody. (laughs) 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 I don't think I'm the target audience here. (laughs) But... First person art gaming will not be seeing this game. That's what we're saying. (laughs) Don't don't kink shame Pelgrane. No, 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 Well, yeah, that's... I have got no problem with it. It's just like some of us play with young, attractive people and other of us. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Hi, Wes. How you doing? <laughs> oh, so, no, it's not personal about you. Oh, you didn't think it was. Uh, so there's eight games in Honey and Hot Wax. Mm. And let's have a look. Ooh, right, so there's one called Pop. Nice. Ooh, okay. Uh, Echo of the Unsaid. The Sleepover. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's eight of them. I won't read them all, but apparently one of them um, ha- has you take your clothes off and touch each other's bodies and describe what you're touching using geological terms. <laughs> <laughs> so this it's, is it's like niche. one of those games yeah. you get at Spencer's Gifts, <laughs> like, like yeah. some novelty store. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it can't be that because it's Pelgrane. Well, yeah, yeah, they've got some interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, you inside us, Cat James will morning star, a romance for two people in one body. You play as a mm. human host and the alien symbiote living inside them. You learn new ways to touch and feel, let yourselves blur together, 
it's hard to say where one ends and the other begins. And it's like, yeah, just looking at sexuality in mm. role-playing games, which is yeah. potentially a bit iffy, but potentially also really valuable, because well, similar to movie certificates, where violence is really super acceptable for some reason, right. but caring and yeah. touching is not. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, So I, th- I think it's safe to say I probably won't be playing this game with you, Peter. If that's all right. Here's the chat. I mean, no, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably skip that one, shall we? <laughs> oh, oh, I see. I just read what pop is about. Anyway. Yes. Wait, is it? Is it? Oh, it's coming out for Valentine's Day. Oh, it came out on Valentine's Day. Oh, oh wow. Already. Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a bit of. Uh, uh, is it coming out or was it announced then? Oh, it's out. Were these like smaller games that were have been released over time, and they're putting this them is in an one book? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the previous ones, I assume, right. have already been out. Yes, uh, I, 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 they've definitely got a chapter on Satan sent by Maury Brown, and uh, apparently Naomi Clark, who designed uh, Consentical, uh, which is int- Consentical. It's a portmanteau. Right? Consent yes. and tentacle. Exactly. It's up, absolutely, but it seems pretty clear to me. <laughs> what else could yeah, it be? Yeah, <laughs> Consent and Pentacle. Consentical. Consentical. Anyway, so uh, fantastic stuff from Pelgrane Press. Pushing the borders. Hmm. Uh Paizo is pushing some borders too. Hmm. Different types of borders though. Oh, they okay. are pushing cool. cultural borders because Ooh. they their next big adventure path and their big setting book for mm-hmm. Pathfinder 2E is yeah. going to be an African themed one. Oh, interesting. That's great. Okay. Uh, so this is the Mwangi Expanse. Mm-hmm. Lost Omens source book. Ooh. Uh, it's set in the adventure path is set in a magic school. In Mwangi Expanse, and it's kind of uh, nice. it's called Strength of Thousands, and it's a, it's a magic school which is apparently the most prestigious magic school in the uh, in Galarian, and it's set in this sort of African, not African themed, African inspired. That's the word I meant. African inspired area of Galarian. So that's good. I, think, I don't know Harry Potter. African Harry Potter... Af- African Harry Potter, yeah. Meets Dungeons and Dragons style yeah. gaming? Yeah. That's... Like, I'm not sure these words all belong together, but it's almost going to make them work. Like, have faith in Paizo to do so. Yes. Well, these are, these are coming out next year. Oh, you I, played it? Oh, I was, I was going to say, I played it years and years ago in 3.5. I played in an mm-hmm. African-inspired uh, D&D game. Mm-hmm. The DM was, like, very committed to trying to keep this real, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. keep yeah. it authentic. So that, that was mm-hmm. cool. But then at some point we we're wearing plate armor, kind of all went out the window. But um, yeah. at least at least the setting, like the first character I made, was like, "Great, I'm going to make this guy, and he's you know his spell book is this thing instead." You know, it's like you know it's uh you know not not just a book, it's you know. And then uh, I got to the game, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, I'm a half elf in plate armor," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> I thought we were doing this other thing." So mm. that's cool. I I I don't play Pathfinder. But I know Paizo makes great products, and uh, I, I'm interested to see what that involves, like what African-inspired is going to turn out to be for that. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess we'll find out next yeah. summer. Mm. So, Hero Quest, you know it's a board game. It's also an RPG by Chaosium. Yes, but I don't think... The two aren't related, are they? 
think we've established that previously. They are not, but there's yeah. a sort of trademark issue going on there. Yeah. So uh, Hasbro yes. has uh, just start just in the last week or so set up a website with a Hero Quest logo and a countdown on yes. it. That's and that's set for to expire on Tuesday. Yes, I, I have like a little rewind on my watch to go and check the website. Yeah. Well, I know what's going on, but I'm under an embargo and I can't say it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I, I know too. Yeah. I wish I could tell you, Peter. I also know, but I can't tell so, you. So, only okay. Peter doesn't know. All the <laughs> yes. listeners know as well, Peter. Every single one. I will shortly afterwards. Yeah. Anyway, oh. wait, wait for Tuesday. On Tuesday, there will be more information about that. Cool. Yes. I'm yes. having some sort of board game. Oh, uh, you know. So I can play Hero Quest. It's actually a hat. It's a new hat. They're, they're, they're making a new Hero Quest hat. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That would be great. A- <laughs> yeah, that was just what would it look like? said Hero Quest, like written in Sharpie on it to said Hero Quest. Yeah, right. There's got to be some more news. There must be some more news. The uh, Stargate Kickstarter's coming. Oh, It's yes. been announced for about a year now, I think, hasn't it? Yeah, I think they've been doing a lot of playtesting. Yeah. Um, so the Kickstarter uh, sort of pre-launch page, you know, the one where you can sign up for notifications, that's now up which implies that the Kickstarter will be launching very, very soon. In fact, I'm looking here. It is launching on October the 6th, which is two weeks, two weeks away. It's been in public playtest since February, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, I know it's going to carry on playtesting throughout the Kickstarter campaign, just to sort of polish off the final rough edges and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Kickstarter launches in, what, two weeks or so? Exciting. Yeah, I'm quite excited. It's 5th edition powered as well. Yeah, right? I was going to say, there was a D20 Stargate RPG yeah. in, you know, in the 3.x yeah. days. Yeah. So it's interesting it's still going to be uh, OGL. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. Are, we, are we almost finished news? No, we're getting there, yeah. Nearly there. Okay. Right, what about Into the Motherlands? Oh, that is probably not related to Force. <sighs> yes, I know about Into the Motherland. Mm, I know you do, because you cc me in into an email where yes. you were talking to the designers. What is Into the Motherlands? Which uh, is an RPG. The, well, it is a, a novel science fiction setting, which has been put together, or is being in the process of being put together, by a, a group of artists of colour. So, so this is also yeah. interesting, because this is going to be powered by Cortex Prime, mm-hmm. and it's funded cool. by Twitch. Yeah, the same system they use for the Firefly RPG, one of the Firefly RPGs, and also Smallville. Well, more more recently, yeah, uh, that Dragon Prime Prince RPG, the Masters of the Universe yeah. RPG. You know, where they're slapping yeah. up all those licenses very recently. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's been that that system. The, Cort- the Cortex Prime is the latest um, latest iteration of the Cortex system, isn't it? Yes. Because it's been, what, two or three of them, I think? There was Cortex, Cortex Plus. Yeah. Cortex Plus was like Smallville, Leverage. Yeah. And then Cortex Prime was Cam saying, all right, all right, let's get yeah. all this stuff that could be together into one thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's impressive. It's I really enjoyed Marvel Heroic Role Playing, for example. And I, yes, I just like yeah. the mechanics of that game. Like, I'll play any Cortex game just because... You know, I, I enjoy yeah. the way it well, works. To- I have totally stolen Popcorn Initiative. I do like Popcorn Initiative. Yeah. Balsera Initiative. <laughs> Although it's not actually called that, is it? Popcorn Initiative. That's just I, kind of I a- always pop up and say it's Balsera Initiative after Lenny Balsera, who I 
think came up with it during Marvel Heroics development. Right. Um, but he will also defer and say it's called something else. So, yeah, where did popcorn mm. come from then? Maybe I think it's because GM. If you back when we used to make popcorn in like a like a popcorn maker, you know, like yeah. a, like an air popper mm-hmm. or something, um, you know, one kernel will pop and then another, then another, another, and the idea was like like they were kind of chained or they were happening right, like one yeah, at a time, but not in any particular right. order. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, popcorn oh. initiative for those who are unfamiliar is. Where one person says, oh, I'll have a go, and then someone else can have a go. And the idea is that it just goes in pretty much people saying that they want to go until everyone's had a turn. And then, like the, and I think, is it, I I go first and I choose who comes next? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah you pick who goes next. As you have your turn, you choose who goes next. Yeah. But there's a little bit of there's a little bit of game theory involved. With, do you just like have all your guys go first, or do you do you alternate? Or, you know, you get do you want all the monsters going at the same time? You know, do you, do you want all the monsters going at the same time and getting two goes in a row? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So um, there is there is a little bit of game theory where you don't just make sure you your side gets all the goes at the same time because it doesn't necessarily work out for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. But anyway, we're talking about Into the Motherlands. Yes, Into the Motherlands, yes. Have you had um, any more information about it? Because it was just announced Uh, today. Not really. I know that the characters... uh, uh, Let's have a look. It's a sci-fi RPG. uh, And there's an actual play series um, coming on Twitch. Because obviously Twitch is funding it. And in in this game, the characters were on an alien world that has become which has become home to them and there's sort of new cultures to understand and new enemies to defeat. And mm. as you say, the uh, entire development team, I think, is... I don't know if it's completely people of colour, but if it's not, it's mainly people of colour. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it looks really interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, I have just found a bit. Uh, apparently, Into the Motherlands sees players landing on the planet of Musalia 1,500 years after the Emperor Musa discovered the world are strange detour to the Americas. RPG enables players to become more of the descendants of the Emperor himself, or otherwise choose one of the cultures occupying Musalia, including those that have resolved as a result of human and alien interaction. Players will travel, learn of its different cultures, as well as encounter the troubles that threaten their way of life. In response, players must figure out a way to enable these societies to continue to survive on their planet. So, there we go. Uh, I think that's a reference to Musa Mansa, who is an African king who took a pilgrimage, the Hajj, to Mecca and bought so much gold that they destabilized the economy along the north coast of Africa for quite some time. Because hmm. uh, they were just so generous and like, just making it rain all the time. So yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember where they're from, but yeah. Hmm. Who's the answer? Yeah. yeah. You, you've reached out to them to get them on the podcast, hopefully, haven't you? I have, yes. Yeah, so a little bit of cross, fingers crossed, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, ah, I hope so that'll happen soon. But in the meantime, RPG Superstar, yeah. mm. public voting is now Ooh. open. Ooh. So RPG Superstar used to be owned by Paizo. They stopped doing it about five years ago, and it was their yeah. in-house competition where you design yeah. Pathfinder things like spells and monsters and encounters and things. Yeah. Didn't we have Owen Casey Stevens on? Tell us how he was responsible for breaking it. Because he worked out it was costing them. Yeah, money. yeah, a yeah. few months back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, nice one, that one. Thanks. So, it, so, so he's it came, giving it back, so that's okay. 
well, role, the podcast role for combat is bringing it back, and yes. uh, Owen is one of the judges. I think he's the yeah. chief judge on uh, on it. Um, but the the judges have done their part now, and they've narrowed it down to one hundred and one finalists. Nice. Which are now undergoing a public voting stage. Ooh, right. Uh, so it's only monsters. They're not doing because originally you oh. go through like several rounds, and the first one might be a magic item, and then the next one might be a spell, and then mm-hmm. the next one might be a monster, and you go through like five or six rounds before it was narrowed down to the fi- to, like two or three finalists. Yeah, yeah. In this, it's just a one, just a one round, a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's 101 of them there. Pathfinder two monsters. And you can go along and you can uh, judge them in a number of categories like uh, flavour, mechanics, threat balance, writing style, and originality. And the winner will get $500. It will be featured on the cover of the Roll for Combat Battle Zoo Bestiary. Right. And there will be a four-page spread detailing it within that book. That that's pretty Along good bragging rights and five hundred dollars. Yeah. Along with a few okay. other bits like a t shirt and stuff. Oh, that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So that that you can go along right now, in fact. And yeah. vote. Get a vote in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you seen that, Mike? No, but you know, back when I think in the first or second year of it, I did RPG hmm. Superstar in like two thousand seven or something, Ooh, way back nice. then. And did not make it past the first round. End of story. Oh, I hope that wasn't the year when I was a judge then. I hope that's not my fault. <laughs> I, can't remember which, I can't remember which year it was I was. It was probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> you got better with time. That's right. What was the first round? Do you recall? I feel like it was a magic item. I think I magic did make item. a magic yeah. item. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that makes sense. Oh, we, we are all one. mad here. Well, yes, Mon- but what's the news? Monty Cook Games. Mm-hmm. So it's a setting and it's based on fairy tales and it's based on things like Alice in Wonderland and uh, English folklore. Yes. The Mad Hatter's Deep Party. We are all mad here. Yes. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, set in a place called the Heartwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was quite interesting about it is it has an entire chapter on mental health in games. Mm. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, I haven't read... Uh, the, the, it's by Shanna Germain. Mm-hmm. And the the free you can get as a free download a twenty eight page preview for Monty Cook Games website, and that includes the entire mental health mental health in games chapter. So that's uh, mm. that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's see. Is there any more news? Any more news? There must be some more news. I can think of at least one important piece of news that you completely failed to mention. Oh, quite possibly one of the most exciting bits of news. We're coming up to it. Oh, I know. I should mention is I have a Kickstarter launching on Tuesday. Oh, that's quite exciting. Oh, that what? is quite exciting. Uh, so five plug-in settlements for your yeah. di- your five E game yeah. is what it is. So it's, it's like the previous Kickstarter. It's all digital. Each one's like four to five pages, and it's got like a map. It's got plot hooks. It's got a bunch of NPCs. It's got a table of rumors. And a description of the of the settlement, and there's five of them, each by a different author, each fully illustrated, and you can just drop these in to any um, fifth edition campaign. Great, and that's launching on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last that one did really fun. well. The last one was the sixty-five enchanted trinkets. Oh yeah, like all those is, common magic items they can have. Yeah. Like- Extra magical yeah. stuff. Hmm. So, it's yeah. like, this is an experiment I'm running. Like rather hmm. than big kickstarters, it's like a series of tiny little quick starters. 
so they don't last long they're digital only the pledge levels are you know only like seven seven quid or something so yeah. you know they're not going to make hundred thousand dollars because they physically uh-huh. can't uh, no. with, with, with that but um you know the last one made five and if this one does something similar again that'll be that'll be nice yeah. Uh, and of course, it does have the advantage that you know, in World Kickstarter, uh, you're gonna in publishing Kickstarter, you're going to get straight as soon as it's finished. I mean, what was your what was your uh, record for getting it fulfilled last time? It's now it's now under one second. <laughs> <laughs> now that, 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 like, that's that's a pretty strong selling point. If you want to get well, your it, stuff, it, yeah. <laughs> one second. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. We're not, we're not going to hold you. Well, I was, I was sitting there. I'd written, I'd written, I'd written the um, thing with the link to download the files, and because it's digital, they, you know, they can download them straight away. Yeah. Um, just hitting there, watching the countdown on the Kickstarter go down. Just yeah. with my finger on the submit button, <laughs> and as soon as it hits zero, hit submit. There you go. You got it. There, there, there you go. So, so your Kickstarter so is determined by Russ's reflex speed, yes. not his writing speed. Yeah. And that's, that seems like quite a good thing to me. So if you're going to complain about where's my Kickstarter materials, have that email written first. Absolutely, yeah. And then make sure... You've literally got under a second to send it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to have time to write it after the Kickstarter. That's, that's, that's. I mean, yeah, you've got, you got yeah. a big, big brain here. You've got to make yeah. the email on a timer, so it's like time to send at the right time, or like, you know, time to tweet or something like that. So exactly, as soon as the clock hits it, then you can go. Yeah. You're just gonna, it's just that your finger's just going to be quicker than mine, I think. It's, it's like a, yeah. it's like a, 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 a gunfight uh, <laughs> at noon, <laughs> high noon, isn't it? Uh, go and quick draw, go. Good times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, did you know that another playtest document went out today for Level Up? No, yes. I didn't know. That's, that, that's a bit of news I've been holding on to. So I'm so excited about it. Do you want to talk about it or shall I talk about it? You can talk about it if you like, Peter. Oh, well, if you talk about it, there might be less hands waving in the air. I'm just saying. Okay. I'll just talk about it in an enthusiastic... <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Oh, you, you talk, talk about it. You took too Okay, yeah, so the fighter, the fighter, the visual class has come out, and it doesn't have second wind, and it doesn't have accent search. And so many people listening to this would be like, but Peter, you love fighters. Like, it's like virtually the first character class you play in any system. You're like, yeah, you're in fighters, I'm yep. Let, let, let's see how this rolls. But no, I, I don't mind I don't care in the slightest because you have like about six pages of maneuvers taking up to level 10, which are essentially minor abilities. It's a little bit like the Battlemasters uh, things, but probably not as high power, but still quite nice. And, like, and second wind's in those maneuvers as well. One of them is second wind. I, I will take your word for it. I do like my second wind. Uh, I've used it a lot more than actually, so I don't know if it exists. So you can still have it if you really want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, you can still do it. But yeah, I mean, um, I'm quite happy to see Action Surge go because it was once per short rest. So it was like, it's all right. But now you can just make everything special. Mm. You have like a small pool of um, like energy points. dice. So what? Exertion points. Exertion points, yes. And uh, then you use these uh, to get stuff done. And it's not just for fighters that is the thing that makes me most excited. It's for all the martial classes. Yeah. Um, and it's That's completely good. drag and drop. So you can just like pull it out and whack it into an existing campaign, uh, which is what I'm doing. I've, I was just having a look to see if it came out after I finished running. And I was like, oh, it's come out. So I sent it to all my players who I told about. So, so there's, there's something coming. Get excited about it. Mm. Um, so they will have a chance to bring something because yeah you hit like levels 9 and 10 there's a lot of well I rolled for hit I rolled hit 
there's mm. only so much description you can get into it. Whereas this completely naturally and mechanically supported brings in awesome description of having like this amazing physically oriented like action based fighting which quite frankly has someone who's played up to level 16 with a fighter rogue it's like yeah i i really would have liked this before mm. to have something other than uh that guy over there rolled hide rolled attack oh well i hit big bar damage good job yeah. that's my turn done yeah I so actually takes me less time to describe it. <laughs> so what it takes this me less does, time to do it than to describe it. Whereas the castle just takes forever. Ah, now we can so also take forever. Combat that anymore. Right. So what? So what this does is there's yeah. there's three issues that were in the survey that came mm. up as really important related, specifically related to fighters or, or classes. And yes. one of them was meaningful character choices at each advancement level. Yes. Which is something that I think we've built into this. Every oh. single level, you're choosing something. Uh, and the exploration, and also those extra social perks as well. Oh, those are nice. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much mechanical you still get, but having them just makes you feel like so much more in character. It's yeah. really, really puts a lot more of a stamp on personality at lower levels. So you can see how we started to flesh out the exploration pillar there. In yes. the, the fighter class now has yes. specific exploration abilities. Yes. And these these are going to be sort of tailored to each class. So the fighter's choice of exploration max is going to be mm. different to the rogues. It's going to be different to the clerics. Mm. You know, so each each yeah. fight each class will be able to function in the exploration pillar of the game yes. in its own way and still fully be able to involve themselves in the game without having to sit there on the side and just wait for the ranger to do something or for the druid to cast a spell. Yeah, putting an exploration pillar into the game seems like yeah. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore, we've got the this, this again. <laughs> this again. Finally, we've got the martial manoeuvres as well, which obviously you just you just talked to talked about at length. Uh, that last bit, I'm excitedly waving my hands about. Yeah, yeah, really ever excited about. Anyway, yeah, we so, really so have now, finished those now. We have finished those. That's fantastic. Are we sure? Think so. I, mean, I don't want to add more news. Yeah, okay. I don't want to add more news, but there is that D and D celebration this weekend. But oh, let's God, just yes, say that it exists. I think we did that's, mention that's it. That's probably earlier. the biggest piece of news. <laughs> probably oh, that ends a bit earlier. I don't know. Yeah. Do do? <laughs> so do you see? Well, it's launching. It's starting today, isn't it? Yeah, it starts. Oh. Yeah, the day we're recording, but yeah, yeah it runs all weekend. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's going to be a, to this, it will already be out. Yeah. So there's going to be and a whole I, bunch I mean, of. I mean, all weekend. Like there nice. are games in the wee hours. You know, our time. Oh. To accommodate uh, players in Asia, right? And there's games running like five different languages. Mm. It's it's a big deal. I'm just some guy running games as part of it. I'm not like an organizer or anything. Yeah, just to just but to get that out there. But, it. but it's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Well, there's it's a lot cool. of panels because we mentioned it last week. Actually, it was mm. it the week before? There's pa there's panels on oh, yeah. accessibility um, mm. in RPGs. There's a panel on. Yes. Uh, Asian representation in yeah, I think in that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and a bunch of previews, I think, of all the upcoming oh. stuff. So if you want to see previews from Tasha's or well, Icewind Dale, that's already out. They'll probably be showing quite a lot of that. Yeah, but we won't know until next week because it's only launching today. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game is all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Oh, oh I am so excited about this. 
I might, I'm actually afraid you've listened to this game before. As a <laughs> fan of the show, I, this is the part I was like, it would be really cool if I could go on there and talk about this book, but also like, I get to play that, our favorite game <laughs> in all the world. <laughs> it's interesting how many people that we've had on now that are actually quite excited about playing this game. I, I think it's funny that it, because I've been listening <laughs> yeah. to this podcast from the beginning, so I think it's oh. funny it did start off as like a, look at this funny thing we could do. Mm. I bet you couldn't guess what this Kickstarter is just from the name that it turned into like a regular feature. <laughs> yeah. like it's there a, was, it's there a really was, good idea. There was a period that Peter went through where he really hated the game and we were going to stop <laughs> doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's because it's just me playing it online right, and right. he kept on giving me minus a million points and that was not fun. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> yeah. I well, actually felt, uh, part of me felt a little bit bad about coming on to talk about Skull Kickers, Caster Bastards, and the Great Grotesque, because I was like, that'd be a great title for our favorite it game in all the be. world. Now they can't use it. <laughs> well, 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 the thing is, I actually know what Skull Kickers is, so that was probably doing that's quite true. a... That's yeah. true. Yeah. That, that, that like, oh, but what if I just yeah. said Caster Bastards and the Great Grotesque? You'd have no chance. I would be... I'd be struggling. I can't be honest. <laughs> I'd be asking how you spell Caster for a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, has it been spell Caster? Interesting. Yes. So I guess it must be all about like evil wizards, like really nasty ones, um, who are creating some sort of like uh, giant and presumably grotesque monster, maybe in the Frankensteinian tradition. So now it's guess the hypothetical Kickstarter based on the hypothetical name. <laughs> That's just, a despite the fact that you already know what it is. <laughs> well, well, I, I'm hoping Michael will tell me what, what his uh, product is actually about, but we should probably say that until after we've yes, played the game. Yes. All right, let's play the game, shall we? Who would like to go oh. first? Oh, I should introduce the game, shouldn't I? It's probably a good idea. Uh, our favourite game in all the world is the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from and just the name, and then I give you a highly scientific and accurate score based on your answers. Scientific. Scientific. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious to see behind the scenes on that, to see how <laughs> oh, it works. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be amazed at what there is to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I assure you there's a spreadsheet. Honest. There's a formula. There's an algorithm. Uh, you should just use yeah, because you have an this. abacus there and a whiteboard set up. Yeah, it looks yeah, like you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Don't try and follow the map. It's non And this steam-driven <laughs> thing with the piston, that's vital to the scoring yeah. system. It wouldn't work otherwise. <laughs> Look, without Babbage, how would we get the score from? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the hamster yeah. there, you know. Yeah, that's Babbage. <laughs> oh, that is Babbage. My hamster, Babbage. <laughs> that's a good hamster name. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I mean, the house called Babbage now. Anyway. <laughs> oh, All right. Who would like <laughs> to go first? Uh, would you like to go first, Mike, or shall I go Sure, first? I'll go first. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do well, but I'll go first. I believe you. You can do this. Uh, whether okay. or not you're gonna do well, and I think you might get this, but even if you don't, you'll like the name. I promise you. Mm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What is a laser ponies? Uh, oh, is laser ponies some mix of the my favorite My Little Pony Friendship Is Magic with uh, lasers and feelings? <laughs> is lasers and feelings involved at all? Could it be? Basically, lasers and feelings, but with pony protagonists, uh, a la My Little Pony. That's what I. That's what I would guess. Not bad. Not bad. Give me five out of ten for that. I mean, oh, yeah, right. I, I would totally have gone for that myself. That yeah. it's like some top That's a good score. So yeah. it's not for um, lasers and feelings. It's for the quick action game system. Oh, I have that. Uh, but other than that, so we've got a, a tabletop RPG of mm-hmm. magical ponies who shoot lasers. <laughs> From there, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that seems pretty much like what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> On a faraway magical world in the heart of Glitter Valley, these ponies romp, frolic, and play, and they hold tea parties. And when they need to, they shoot lasers out of their eyes. It's <laughs> great. That reminds me a little of uh, Dinosaur Princesses, which I remember, yes, yeah. which a friend of mine wrote, and I remember you guys were very enthusiastic about the name yes. of that. This seems <laughs> along the same lines. Yeah, I, I, I was enthusiastic. Fun. I got it right. I've, um, those, those things are like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that actually, was my stupid guess. <laughs> Great name. So this thing's it's got about a week to go. It only had a seven hundred dollar goal, and it's done mm-hmm. nine hundred and eighteen dollars. Okay, okay. So it's just about past its goal now, and it's got a week to go. Nice. It looks kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. If you like lasers and you like ponies, or if you, you like, like lasers ponies. or ponies, yeah. but if you're in that yeah. Venn diagram intersection of lasers and mm. ponies, you're still you can have a good time. This is the game mm-hmm. for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Sweet. Ah, well done, Mike. Excellent show. Right. All right, then. Let me, what you got? All right, then. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. All right, come on. Okay, then. The Devil's Bridge. Well, this is, I think this is a scenario, like an adventure. Um, ba, 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 the Devil's Bridge. Mm. I'm trying to work out what's it evoking within me. Um, some, I I don't know why, but I'm, I'm feeling it sort of like, uh, not like, I feel this is like a, what would you call it? An adventure path or something, but for Call of Cthulhu style stuff? Um, but probably not called up Cthulhu or as we covered Chaosium stuff uh, but some sort of horror role playing game system um, obviously with heavy elements of supernatural I just I just have a feeling it's like going for deep South America I, I, I cannot tell you why I think any of those things but that that is what the name Devil's Bridge says to me hmm. yeah it's none of those things it seems unlikely but that's that's what it said to me I just had this weird Hellboy-esque vision but that was obviously completely wrong Uh, there's one thing it is that you said it is an adventure and you did mention adventure that it would be an adventure but uh, it's for D&D 5th edition okay and it's based on Slavic folklore So, inspired by the myths and legends of uh, real historical locations, uh, Mm -hmm. based around a real place in Bulgaria and the legends surrounding it. And they uh, worked closely with uh, Dr. Vera Baeva from the Bulgarian Academy of Sciences as a consultant and delved into the mysterious ruins and vestiges of a time long ago in real locations in Bulgaria and the local legends surrounding them. I would not have guessed Bulgarian D&D. No. Yeah. That sounds right. I rad, didn't think though. he would have done I, I, I'm, I'm down. Let's go play that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I guess the Devil's Bridge must be a place, a bit like the Giant's Causeway, but um, less hexagonal. Hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'll take my point and be quite grateful Okay, for it. so, <laughs> so Mike, you're winning 5-1 at the moment. Woo-hoo. Yes. Uh, can you keep the lead? Oh, i got to do another one. Okay, uh, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Right. This one is called Into the Fae. Uh, I mean, I know this is pretty on the nose, but I think this is a uh, supplement for 5th edition D&D about the Feywild. Um, there are so many 
of those, but I'm not saying there isn't room left to make another cool thing about the Feywild. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that and see what happens. Mm. Um, I'll give you half points again, five out of ten for that, because you're correct. It's fifth edition, and it is about the Fey in the Feywild, but it's not a supplement; it's an adventure. Yeah, okay. that's the only thing you got wrong there. Uh, I'd even answer that. Yeah, it takes a party from levels four, uh, levels one to five. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a bunch of new fake creatures, magic items, and spells. Um, but yeah, I think you can pretty much guess what it is from that, can't you? It's a, it's a fake themed series of adventures. Starting Great. at level one in the Fey Wilds. Mm. Nice. Like I say, I think there's room for that. Yeah. There's room for more of that. Right Fey Wilds is a big place. So you now have 10 points. Peter has one. Peter, you need nine points to draw or 10 <laughs> points to win. Okay. And your one is. Atma. A-T-M-A? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, after last week's pirate-themed Kickstarter... Um, <laughs> no, it's not Atma. <laughs> well, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, A-T-M-A. Maybe it's, maybe it's a game all about generating... Or maybe... I don't even know if it's a game. Maybe it's about the art of creating the right atmosphere to run RPGs in. And it's full of like a top line of hints and tips um, and practical suggestions for things you can simply and easily do to um, create the right atmosphere for role playing and ways one would go about evoking uh, humor, horror, um, high, high adventure, maybe even romance. You know, you deserve a point for giving it a pun, given the fact that all you had was one four-letter word you'd never heard before. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure isn't a real word. I'll just go check. So, uh, for, so it's not Avatar, the masked airbender? <laughs> yeah, I just gave, I just gave you the initial, yeah, an acronym instead. No, it's, um, <laughs> uh, that would be mean. Um huh. No, so what this is, it's a complete role-playing game in a tiny package. It's a full-fledged RPG, and it's a card-based RPG, uh, which wow. is designed to set up, teach, and play in two hours, designed for single sessions and pop-up sessions. Hmm. So you uh, GM and wonderful players who use illustrated tarot cards, and it's also apparently a great tutorial for first-time GMs who've always wanted to run an RPG. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that sounds well, intriguing. Everyway was cool, so mm-hmm. sure. Do, more, more card stuff. Yeah. Do, 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 so do does it say where the name comes from? Um, I'd have or to click out. through and read in more detail. I'll look for you then. Let's have a look. Oh, right. Atma. I, I yes. uh, the volcanic mineral Atma. What is Atma? Well, <laughs> that answers that question. <laughs> it's a real material. It's a real mineral hmm. called Atma. It empowers the living and entwines the dying, while artificial intelligence and alien titans join humanity. How do you spell Atma? A-T-M-A. Hmm. Interesting. It's not coming up on Google under Atma or Atma Mineral, which is what I was asking. But that's all right. I'm, I'm sure there's... I'm sure, I'm sure they know what they're talking about. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there isn't it. really a mineral called Atma. I think it's a fictional mineral for the game. Uh... Oh, Merrimorph Games. There we go. Mm. I have found it. Their search engine optimization is, is, is almost there. Oh, yes. Well, I do like the art for it, actually. Yeah, it looks pretty. A nice box there. Yeah, yeah it's got a certain uh, comic book style to it. Yeah. But not 
Yeah, it looks like it just funded today. It's got a twenty thousand oh. dollar goal, and it's now mm. at twenty thousand three hundred and fifty-four. Actually, it just went up as I looked at it. It's now twenty thousand three hundred and fifty-four with five hundred and forty backers. Ten days to go. Ten days to go. Well, get in. Batman the role-playing card game. Yeah. So I think I do have to declare Mike the winner, ten to two. Right. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Woo. Peter, you're a worthy. Your winning streak uh, has adversary. ended, Peter. Well, no, no, no. it had to happen sometime. Uh, so, congratulations, Mike. You are the winner of this week's favorite Thank game you. in all the world. Really? Yes. I know. I not only got to play, I won. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. guys. <laughs> There's a mighty flash as you set off the trap. Magical energy fills the passageway. John, I need you to make a saving throw. Right, yeah. Uh, 25. 25 again? You must have rolled a natural 20 to get that. Guess I'm having a lucky day. I guess so. After you rolled three critical hits in a row against that slime troll in the last room. What can I say? The dice cards are smiling upon me. Anyway, right, so you wanted to pick the lock. I'll need a thievery check if you don't mind. No problem. Here we go. Uh, wait, wait. Can you just make sure to roll it on the table there where we can see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Okay. Oh, darn it. It fell off the table. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah, not to worry. It's a 19. Hang on, hang on. Don't touch it. Let's have a look. Oh, no. The cat knocked it. We don't have a cat. Well, somebody's cat knocked it. Hmm. Well, from now on, die rolls only count if they're on the table, okay? Okay, okay. I don't know why you're getting so precious about it. I'm getting precious because this is the seventh roll in the row where you've rolled natural 19s or 20s. It's not impossible. Two of those are on a d12. Look, if you've got something to say, just come out of it. Fine, fine. Let's get on with the game. Now, I need you to roll a d6 for me. Why? Yeah, just roll it. Okay, I got a six. Aha! You take six damage from the acidic dungeon air in the passageway. Oh, sorry, I meant to roll a one. Ha, <laughs> hoist by your own petard, eh? My what now? Your petard. It's a small bomb used to breach fortifications. What's that got to do with the price of fish? It's just a saying, mate. Shakespeare, hoist by your own petard. I don't see what petard has to do with anything. It means to be harmed by your own plan or to fall into your own trap. Whatever, fine. So I've got 44 hit points left. 44 hit points? How many did you start with? Uh, 50? But you took 12 damage from the Slime Troll, 9 from the Rockfall, and another 6 just now from that Acidic Gas. So that should leave you with 23 hit points. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I had the healing potion. But they only heal 1d8 points. Yeah, I, I had uh, several. Hmm. John, look, mate, I, uh, I don't think you're being entirely honest with us. Oh, here it comes. Every group, same thing. Every group? I've been in nine D&D groups this year. Every one of them threw me out because they were jealous of my good luck. Your good luck. We think you're cheating, John, I say. We don't believe you, John. We think you're fudging your dice rolls, John. Just sick of it. But I've done the maths, and the odds of your rolling the way you have this evening are 16,422,325 to 1. But not impossible. No, but highly improbable. Can you prove it? No, but I got my eye on you, John. Look. Why don't we forget D&D and just play a nice game of Jenga? Fine, if it'll keep you happy. Oh, uh, remind me, have you seen where I put my wood glue? (laughs) 
Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good-lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed, debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top-secret, super-exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Wow, that's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. I did a uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, You probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. So, Skull Kickers is... Um, it's been going for a while, hasn't it? Like... Over 10 years? Yeah, that well, that's the whole point of this book. Mm. It's the 10th anniversary of Skull Kickers yeah. uh, premiering. So um, the comic's been over for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but um, uh, Jim started it, and Jim Zub started it in 2010 mm-hmm. as just like a, it was part of an anthology for um, Image, and it was called Two Coppers, and it was, it was kind of a, it kind of meant like two coppers is what these two characters will charge to kill anyone, mm. or also... That like these are not gold. Mm. <laughs> these guys are not gold. They are copper. Um, and it was just a fun, like violent little, you know, fantasy comic. And um, he had fun with it, and so he wanted to do more of it. And then they did more of it. Uh, they did six volumes of it, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It's very. It feels like a D and D game. Like it has a sensibility about it and a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That's very. That's very. Just feels like you sitting around playing a game. You know, it's it, it doesn't get too slapstick or too silly. You know, it's just kind of right in there where we usually, or at least for me, where we usually have our, our game. Yeah. So the two main characters in the comic strip, so they're basically yeah. a pair of, well, murder hobos, I guess, aren't they? That's certainly how they start. Yeah, they're mercenaries named Rex and Rolf. Yeah. In the first volume, they don't even have names. They're just uh, big guy and shorty, basically. <laughs> they, they are baldy and shorty. They don't have names, and they get names in the second volume because a wanted poster gets put up for them, and then you get to see their names. Hmm. Um, so they start off as just mercenaries, and they have a, a foil in the form of this this elf, Kuzia, who quickly becomes an ally or sort of a frenemy of theirs. And over six volumes, like, it really spins out from these two mercenaries taking a job to this huge, like, multi-reality-spanning thing hmm. that happens. So the, the scope gets enormous by the end. Uh, we're not we're not dealing with that much. Yeah. <laughs> <in this. laughs> All right. So how does Caster Bastards and the Great Grotesque tie into this? What's that? So the comic that's part of this book is about Rex and Rolf and Kuzia mm-hmm. um, at a wizard's academy called the Academy for Serious Sorcery and Holistic Occult Learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't make an acronym out of it. Um, Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> right. Took me a I second. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and they're they're there because they think there are good things there to steal. Basically, that's they're not spellcasters or wizards or anything. They hate magic, mm. especially Rex, the bigger one. And 
Kuzia's there because something weird's going on. She's trying to solve a problem. She's more like like a D&D character focused on a, a problem to solve. Yeah. And they're just kind of there to pose as wizard students and try to get to something valuable so they can steal it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, obviously, things take a turn. <laughs> things go real wrong for them. <laughs> um, but the adventure that goes with it is set in that Wizards Academy. Yeah. It's a big tower with all these floors and lots of, you know, detail. One of the other writers and I have been writing room descriptions for this tower. And it's, so it's like a, almost like a reverse dungeon crawl. If you wanted to, you're not, it's not intended that you dungeon crawl through this thing. But the idea is that characters enter it as students for some reason, mm -hmm. right? Either because they actually want to be wizards or because there's some other reason to be there or they're, you know, they're like Rex and Rolf. They want to steal something or, you know. So while, and then while you're there, whatever the reason you're there is, there's motivation to at least pose as a student mm -hmm. and try to graduate because you find out pretty quickly that the real valuable stuff is in the dungeon and only graduates get to go to the dungeon. It's like after you get out of the school, that's your final like graduation test. Like you go into the dungeon, but no one's graduated from the school in a really, really long time. Right. And uh, as you go through the adventure, you find out why. So your, your player characters will be either the first students to graduate from the school in many years, <laughs> or they'll just find a way to sneak down into the dungeon. One of those two things will happen. Um, you do stuff in the dungeon. The dungeon was made to test people, right? It was made to test these wizard graduates. So it is like a funhouse dungeon in the vein of uh, White Plume Mountain or something. You know, it's just, it's a bunch of intentionally, like, nothing has to make a, a lot of sense there in terms of like, why would someone have built this? Well, yeah. they built it to be dangerous. Um, so then you go through the dungeon, something changes there, I won't say what, and then you have to go back into the tower, uh -huh. uh, where everything has changed, and then the, the final act of it is working your way up through the tower, where things are worse now. Hmm. So, it's a cool adventure site, you could, I mean, even just as an adventure site, you could take this and ignore the adventure part and just drop this into any campaign, say like, here's a Wizards Academy, here's a tower full of stuff, yeah, yeah. and let's do something. Or you can play through all the adventure material in there, which is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Jim is a big fan of uh, Ravenloft, you know, I-6, like the original mm. Ravenloft. He loves the isometric maps, right, yeah, you know. So our tower has these cool isometric maps that uh, uh, our car cartographer, Clint Cronk, and another artist, Marco Bernardini, have made. And they look really cool and evocative. Um and then also he likes the randomized part of Ravenloft, right? Yeah. Where like every time you played it, things mm. can be in different places. So we have those elements too. Like who, what person is important in the tower? And where do you have to go in the dungeon? And what thing are you supposed to get? And, you know, so you could run it, you know, multiple times. Maybe not with the same exact same players, but at least it would be different every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So what's this, level one? What, what level do you start at in this one? Starts at level one. Mm. By the time you go down to the... The dungeon, you should be level four mm -hmm. or five, maybe. And then by the time you finish and you come back up, you should be level nine. Yeah. So it should take you from one to nine. That's our plan. Yeah. Oh, decent, decent run. Sounds, uh, yeah. sounds pretty Yeah, and it's like 60 pages, is it? The adventure's about 60 pages and the comics, it, 30 or something. Yeah, I hope we hit more stretch goals because uh, I'm the lead writer on it and mm. I'm the one who has to decide what to cut. Right, okay. And yeah. I don't want to cut anything. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I want to hit so more how, stretch how goals. How much have you got <laughs> that you could include? Mm. Um, well, we're about... If you get all of it, oh, how oh. big is it going to go, man? I I think that uh, preliminary plans have been made for it to be uh, much larger than 60 pages. Uh, maybe wow. 20 pages more. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. I want it to be, I don't want to cut anything, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah. writers I'm working with have a ton of good ideas, and mm-hmm. I just don't want to cut anything. Yeah, so fair enough. We may, I know we are, we're going to have to kill some darlings at some point, but I just don't want yeah. to. <laughs> so you mentioned on, on the Kickstarter page, you mentioned a, uh, a student social system. What's, what's that? Yeah, so something that was important to me is we started to think about the three different parts of the adventure. The first part, you are, you are ostensibly a student in a wizard school. Mm-hmm. And so the first part is not going to be about going around killing things. You're yeah. going to be a student in a functional school. You have to like, sur- like exist in this place and things will come up. Obviously things will go wrong in like classic Hogwarts style. It's not a parody of Hogwarts, but they have that in common, mm-hmm. right? Things will happen. You'll have to deal with, but generally speaking, as in the comic, you know, Rex and Rolf go to class. Like they, they have to at least pretend that they belong mm. there. So what was important to me is to make it feel like school. And a big part of school to me is the social groups, like the, mm. you know, people divide into, you know, factions, basically. Um, so I wanted it to be really important that if there is no violent game in Act 1, there is a big social game that's as engaging as the violent mm. game. Okay. Um, so having to work your, having to make friends with people, and then there are uses for friends. It's important to have friends because if you don't have friends and you try to do this, you're going to have a, it's going to be hard. Okay. You have a problem with it. Mm. Um, so there are, there's a really simple, I mean, I, I didn't want to introduce anything as involved as aspects from fate. It would, would have been easy for me to do that, but I, I don't want to do that. So instead, uh, every character has two passions. There's one thing they prize and one thing they despise. Mm-hmm. All the non-player characters. And there's a D20 table for each of those. So as you encounter an NPC, if you want to know something about them, you see what they like, what they don't like. And then based on those two things, you can pretty much put a personality together. Like, you know, they like power, but they hate bullies. Okay, so (laughs) they're probably like, you know... Uh, might for right, you know, they're, they're uh, probably like fighting for the little Captain guy, America, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or they want to be in charge so they can make things better mm. or whatever it is. Like, um, I, I, so, I, I mean, I hope you would find the sense of it sort of feels a bit Stardew Valley. Like, you'll get, I don't know if you played that, but like, you're going around, uh, you're I, I haven't, but I don't know why I'd be offended by Stardew Valley. People like Stardew Valley. People really love Stardew Valley. It's quite a good yeah. game. So, yeah. Um, but, so yeah. there, so uh, another big part of that system is that the passions come into play if you are, if you're talking to someone, I didn't want to reduce any of the social stuff to just a single role because mm-hmm. that's boring. Yeah. So if you're talking to someone and you bring up one of their passions, either the thing they prize or they despise, and you talk about it in the terms that they they agree with, then um, you get to add a D4 to your persuasion or deception or whatever, right? Because you're you're talking their language. Yeah. You know, it's it's easier. Huh. If you happen to include both of their passions in the way they like it, then you have advantage. Right. Okay. Uh, because I mean, there are other ways to get advantage too, but. Um, because, um, you know, you're saying exactly the stuff they want to hear, right? And they're, you know, they're just easier to, to talk to if you're actually saying things they want to hear. And it's the reverse um, true. So if they, if they despise something yes. and you bring it up in a positive yes. way. Um, yeah. Then you got a yeah, problem. Yeah. Um, so, so then you have to, so there's a way of finding out. Like you have to talk to someone for a little while to find out what their passions mm. are, find out what one of their passions are. So then you can, you know, use that to talk to them later. And as you spend more time with NPCs and you do things with them, you can maybe go from acquaintances to friends mm. at some point. And then friends are like, you know, loyal, stick together types. And they can help you do things. You might lose friends too. You can anger them or you know, disappoint them or whatever mm. or ignore them when they need you. And then they go back to being acquaintances or they can become a, a rival or a frenemy 
You know, they could, they could flip completely and just, uh, you know, now be unpredictable. You don't know if they're your friend or not at any given time or they're actively. Oh, there's like a system all controlling all of that. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. It's not that, it's not that complicated, mm. but there does, I gotta say, this is a place where me having worked on fate a ton, mm. I've worked on a bunch of fate games, comes in handy because fate is not mechanically complex. Yeah, yeah. But you have to derive a lot of different things from, you know, a die roll and aspects. And that's mm. kind of most of what we're yeah, working with yeah. there. So, um, that's, that's, I, to me, it works along the same principles without using any of the same mechanics, but the ideas are yeah, the same. Yeah. That you want to build up friends. And sometimes, so there are three things you do during a semester. You go to class. There are diversions, which are the adventures, like the storyline for the semester happens in three parts mm. during the semester. And we give you some diversions. You can make up your own. And they should co certainly come up on their own as you manage to explore the tower and find, like, it seems like there should be a door here and there isn't. Or, um, you know, you just encounter something that's weird mm. that you might go off on your own tangent and have your own adventure. Obviously, that's good. Um, so you do the, there's the coursework. There's the diversions. Then at the end of the semester, there's an exam, which could kill you because the exams are very dangerous. There's one exam for every school of magic. And the DM picks which exam is going to come up or roll randomly. And so that's, that's the way the, the, that first act is structured. You go to class, you have diversions, you take an exam. And hopefully by the end of that, uh, if you pass the exam, you gain a level and you go up to the next rank of student. There's three ranks of students. And then after you get through the last rank, through the, the apprentice level, then you ostensibly graduate and then you get to go down to the dungeon. The coursework stuff is all done like downtime activities because we just kind of want to montage past the daily, grind of class but we do want to know what were you doing yeah like yeah. when you weren't in class what kinds of things were you studying were you partying were you researching something else like did you go in the library and try to find out details about some weird door you saw or something mm. um were you bootlicking were you like sucking up to a professor <laughs> you know that's that's definitely a thing that everyone can do um so that way we can like quickly describe like what happened during those you know two or three weeks between these these diversionary adventures yeah. And we can talk about what that looked like. We kind of get a little montage because that happens in the comic, right? It shows like a montage of Rex and Rolf in school and things happening to them. Um, so I'm, you know, when I worked on Atomic Robo, it was really important to me to emulate the comic as much as possible. I take a lot of inspiration from the source material. So I've done that here too, where I, I really wanted to, I want the game that you play to be able to look like the thing that it came yeah, from. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that thing, but I want to like, I want it to be plausible that the source material could have come from the game. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's the way, uh, that all works. I'm, I'm, we haven't, I haven't play tested it yet, but I gotta, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I have a pretty good sense of these things. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna start that part soon. But, uh, so yeah, that, that's how the whole social system being a student thing works. So whose idea was this then? Was this Jim's idea? Was it, did you approach him? This was Jim's yeah. idea. Yeah. He wanted to do something special for the 10th anniversary. And, you know, he, he wrote the Rick and Morty versus D and D comic. He's writing, uh, D and D and Stranger Things. He helped, he consulted or something in some capacity on Descent to Avernus. So like he had a lot of D and D and he obviously he's playing, played D and D his whole life too. Um, so he had a lot of that going on already. And he, he was right, uh, in that a good way to celebrate this would be to write a D and D adventure since this already seems like a D and D game, you know. They had actually released stats for fourth edition uh, versions of these characters right, back yeah. when fourth edition was around. So that was interesting to look at too. But they changed all the names, like instead of hit points, it was hurt points, and you know they just like were really goofy yeah, yeah. about it. 
So how involved is he in the adventure side of it? He gave us what he wanted the adventure to be, like a like a broad outline of what he wanted to to involve. This is while he was writing the comic. So we talked about what the uh, what the RPG side would be. He was writing the comic, and as we all talked more about the RPG, he started to bring elements from the RPG side into the comic. Mm. So we ended up influencing the comic. Right, right, There's yeah. things in the comic that weren't there until we came up with them. But then a lot of he's extremely busy doing. He writes like Marvel comics. He writes the Avengers right now. He's you know he's writing he writes Conan and like he's busy with a bunch of other comic stuff. So he uh, hasn't been able. He like he keeps an eye on things obviously but he is definitely trusting us to just write mm. the thing and then do it which uh is great i love having that level of uh you know trust yeah, and responsibility yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. awesome yeah it does look great i mean uh, i presume he's you know has he played it has he done any play testing well we uh, like i said we haven't uh we haven't started the play testing right. bit mm-hmm. yet but that's gonna start okay, soon. Uh, we're about we're about a third yeah. done I, mm. I think we're definitely on target to hit our delivery date which i think is june of next mm. year um, so yeah the next part so after the after the part we're writing the part we're doing now is all the in school stuff we're almost done right. with that and then we mm. go into the dungeon which i'm really looking forward to because i just want to write a bunch of funhouse dungeon <laughs> stuff <laughs> i already did write something right away like as soon as we started this project i wrote okay here's this crazy thing in the mm. dungeon like i wrote it all out i made pictures of it and everything so i'm like i gotta get this out of my yeah. head but this is the sort of thing you know so uh yeah and i'm working with two great people on it um mm-hmm. eleanor jordan if you look her up on dm's guild she has a ton of material on there mm-hmm. she just cranks out material at a ridiculous rate and she prides herself on how prolific yeah. she is and just like cranking out material she has so much stuff and it's mm. great and um i you know i enjoy the idea she comes up with and I, i'll say like you know what would be cool is this i'll just propose like this magic item or this thing and then an hour later she'll say okay here it is yeah. <laughs> she'll like like i didn't even ask you to write this but you know you came up with it and then the other writer we're working with right now is clint cronk who is actually mm. the brother i'm Hopefully I get this right. The brother of Jim's first DM. Right, okay. Um, so they're both in Toronto and they, they know each other. Clint is a cartographer and he drew all the initial maps for the tower, which was like, I was like, thank God, because I don't even want to think about that. Like having to figure out what's in this tower and where are mm. things and, you know, what needs to be there. We made a big list of everything that, that should be there. Mm. And it was, it was so long. And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> I can't even start to think about this. So when he made those maps... I was like so grateful, yeah. and we've mm. and they've been a great base to work from. He's also um, writing material too, mm. um, and uh, they like I say they both come up with a lot of fun ideas, and we have a great uh, we have a great dynamic. We work in Discord a lot, and we just like throw ideas back mm. and forth, and then mm. you know, uh, so yeah, it's it's been great to work with him. And then like that um, Marco Bernardini, who's doing the isometric maps, is um, just really turning in yeah. great work. I, I think do the enjoy last, a nice isometric map. I think mm. the most recent Kickstarter update has a previews of his maps which are beautiful mm. i'm just looking at the kickstarter right now and i'm looking at that uh magic um dysfunction page that you've got <laughs> yeah, up on yeah. there. and you've got this big spoiler um blacked out bit yeah um so you're saying in truth the um the academy's magic is being then you've got a big black spoiler block <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, well because that's the plot we don't want to give that yeah. away yeah. It also spoils the comic because the you know the same thing is happening in the adventure is happening the same general thing is happening in the yeah. adventure happening in the comic. The point of the the adventure is not to play through the comic. Mm-mm. Although we do, I do have stats for the three protagonists as mm. sidekicks, like mm. essentials mm. kit style. Yeah, so yeah. if you want to mm. bring them in, 
that's robust enough to play as a character, but if you want to just have them as, like, people you know in the Academy and they come around with you, then yeah, yeah. that's cool, too. Yeah. You play a one-on-one game with, you know, the Skull Kickers crew, that'd be pretty cool. Mm. Um, and I've, I've leveled them all the way to level 10, just in case. So, you know, you're, you're covered. Um, but yeah, we, we can't, we can't tell you exactly what sure. it is, but the magic dysfunction table. <laughs> so something's going wrong with the magic mm. in this, in this tower. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they're not really being and forthright about it. that's related to something that's going on in the dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're not okay. really being forthright about what's happening. But the upshot is, uh, and Eleanor came up with this mechanic. Every time you roll a spell, or you cast a spell a first level or higher, you roll a d12. If your result is your spell level or less, then something goes weird. It's not wild magic. Mm. It's something just goes weird. So every mm. school of magic has its own uh, D12, D9, you know, one through nine table of 130 yeah. spell levels. So whatever number oh, yeah. you roll, if it's, you know, your spell level or below, that's the result you get. So if you're casting a third level spell and you roll three, two, or one, you get three, yeah. two, or one on I'm the just, table. I'm just looking yeah. at that then. So for conjuration, a chain devil appears within 10 feet of you and remains for one minute or until it dies. It really doesn't like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's lots of, I mean, that's high level. And keep in mind that in the in the first part of this, you're all tier one, right? You're first through fourth level. Yeah. So the effects that happen are usually going to be more inconvenient than not. But as the spell level gets higher, and just in case you Ooh. wanted to play like tier three or tier four characters in this, it does go all the way I up to tier nine. Just, see, ninth just level. seen the level one conjuration effect. You are poisoned for one round as your mouth fills with venom and ooze. gross. That's great. Yeah. I love I love how disgusting it is. Uh. Uh, so and every school of magic has like a really flavorful table like that. Yeah. Um, because we really want to emphasize, it's the wizard school, so there should be, you know, like, emphasis on how magic works. So I really wanted every school to be distinctive. And um, I think, uh, you know, LR did a great job with that. And then, like mm. I said, we, we each, we've all written exams, a different exam for every school, where the emphasis is, like, on the magic of that school, challenges that are posed to the students that are best best solved using magic of that school, but yeah. you might not, you might be all fighters and just there for some other reason. So you can yeah. still get through them, not using magic, but you'll have a harder time, but you can still do it. So everyone still gets a chance to, you know, pass their exams, but it just might be yeah. a little harder for you. Okay. Yeah. So have you played around with wild magic a little bit there? Because I see you no. mentioned some wild magic spell effects. Yeah. Is that, that, part, I, is that part of the dysfunction I, thing? That, yeah, right? that's, that's the, the magic dysfunction Right, yeah, okay, I wanted a yeah. table of consequences for yeah. casting spells. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh the Kickstarter. So, what do yeah. you get? What's uh what's what's the reward? It's a hardcover the, book, I believe. It's a nice hardcover book and now mm. because we hit some stretch goals, it's going to have heavier paper and gilt edges, look real nice. Mm -hmm. Um the next stretch goal, I believe is more RPG content, so I I want to hit that cuz I don't want to cut anything. Um the reward, the pledge tiers are to me I, I don't know anything about running a Kickstarter. I've been sort of tangentially part of many Kickstarters, but I've never had to be in charge of one. I'm not in charge of this one, that's for sure. But we have someone in charge who has run a bunch of Kickstarters, so I know he knows what he's doing. The pledge levels seem like an extremely good deal to me. <laughs> like, mm. so good. If To get a PDF of this 30-page comic and 60 or more page adventure is $14 Canadian, which is about $10 US. Mm. So that's, good deal, that's yeah. real good. Yeah. And any digital and stretch goals we hit are included as part of that. Yeah. Well, the physical copy is $40 Canadian as well. So what's that's that? also really good. Oh, that's really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's yeah, it's that's yeah, a, it's a really yeah. good price. So hmm. and then there are higher levels too. There's a limited edition that comes with this really cool map Ooh, yeah, that Mike Schley did. Gorgeous. Yeah, the that map is, is beautiful. I found that map just while doing research on oh, the comic. I love the black covers. Uh, yeah, the, the gold, yeah, that's the, the limited Titan. edition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the map that Mike Schley did years ago is so cool, and I was like, Jim, you got to include this map in this Kickstarter. It's gorgeous. So with the limited edition comes that map, like a poster map of the setting, which isn't really defined in the comic, but you know, it's mm. it's has a lot of funny stuff on it. Yeah. Um, but also yeah. looks like a very gameable, adventureful, you know, continent. On the reverse side, we're going to have some, you know, miniature suitable maps for stuff in the adventure, like stuff from the dungeon, and we're going to put that in the reverse. So it will be functional as well as pretty. Hmm. Yeah. And you've also got some NPC cards there as well, I yeah. see. We have yeah. uh, a lot of important NPCs, all the professors. The professor for every school of magic is very important. The headmaster, uh, Mage Meister Moonster is very important. Um, Jim's very big on alliteration, so a lot of things are alliterated mm. like that. Um, there's, uh, there's gonna be like standout students. There's five different cabals. They're, they're like factions or, you know. Well, what's the last one, Are they sort of like analogous more to Harry Potter um, well, things, or are they more like to sort of American high school kind of geeks and jocks? They're, and that sort they're of thing? sort of both. Mm. I, I wanted, I want to like to kind of split the difference um, yeah. because the social click part was important to me. Not just like, oh, you go and you go here and you go there. No one gets sorted into one of these things and you don't have to join one at all. Um, in addition to those, the five cabals are also the iconoclasts, the people who don't join anything. And uh, every cabal gets a different downtime activity, but so do the iconoclasts because there's value in standing apart from all that and mm -hmm. having a different perspective on it too. Um, so the different cabals have like different personalities, but also there's like different kinds of people. Like, um, the wolf cabal is all about like ends justify means. They are going to get what they want by whatever means possible. Uh, they're not nice people, <laughs> but they're very focused. And if you, if your, if your goal is to like, I'm going to do, you know, whatever it takes to get through this, to do mm -hmm. my best in this and like be the first to graduate. Wolves are probably pretty good with that because they'll have a lot of underhanded things they can do yeah, in addition yeah. to the other things. So they're slithering, basically. Yeah. Whereas the eagles are like the really goody goods, like the really, like their, their special downtime activity is do-gooding. Like they, <laughs> right. they are the people, they're kind of like Harry Potter or something. You know how like weird problems crop at, think about all the other students at Hogwarts, right? They don't know anything about what's going on with Harry and Ron and Hermione. Yeah, yeah. As far as they're concerned, just something weird happened and these other kids took care of it. And that's the downtime activity for Eagles. Like something weird happened and you took care of it. <laughs> but like wasn't important enough to play through, but like, or you helped that you stood up for a, a lower classman or mm -hmm. you helped someone find a stolen thing or, you know, whatever it was. It's like these kind of encyclopedia brown little mysteries mm -hmm. that you might get involved in and help people. You know, that's what you're doing. So very different personalities, different things you can get done. Um, wolves tend to not be well liked by the professors, but eagles are really well liked by the professors. Mm. Um, but wolves might get advantages that eagles don't, for example. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. lions are like politicians, basically. They're all about like their image and status and popularity. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, stags are the theater kids. Mm. They're the ones who put on performances and they're all about mm. like artistry and they're like, you know, wear their emotions on their sleeves and they're, you know, the theater kids. Um, and then the duck cabal. Is the, the duck, kind of the duck, the duck cabal? So they're kind of eagles, wolves, lions, stags, <laughs> and horse. Duck. duck. Okay. Yes, we're listening. So <laughs> the duck cabal used to be a bigger deal. They used to be like the the major, most powerful cabal at the school many, mm. many, many years ago. 
Uh, they've fallen in station quite a bit, but they're kind of like the, gee, gosh, persistent, like, you know, they've got a good personality, but they're, uh, they're not really like, they're not, a, they're not a, a factor at the school in terms of, uh, you know, like clout or anything. But they're yeah, kind yeah. of, I kind of picture myself in high school as being a duck, right? Like I had my weird group of friends and we did our things and I was in the marching band and, you know, but mm. like, you know, we did, I don't really feel like I fit into those other cabals. I feel like I was a duck probably. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and it's funny that we get the animals because we said there should be, it'd be cool if we had an animal associated with every cabal. I was like, there should be right, yeah. f- these factions. And we decided to call them cabals because it sounds so sinister, but really it's not, right? It's just these kids, <laughs> these college kids and the thing. So then Edwin Huang, when he was drawing the comic, he drew uh, the room where this was going to happen and he drew five stained glass windows. Mm. And those are the animals that he drew. Right. So okay. then we're like, okay, so what do these mean? <laughs> One of them was <laughs> a duck. Just a duck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Enough. So Edwin dictated that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So you got fourteen days to go, or when this goes out, there'll yeah. be thirteen days to go. Um, you've already October funded. 2nd. Yeah, yeah, you've already funded. Right. So uh, it's already funded. The pledge levels are like, as again, I'm not. Yeah, I know. They, they I, I am like here to plug to it. I'm yeah. here to obviously to to promote it. But the pledge levels are yeah, so yeah. like, why not back something for ten dollars US? Like, mm. I yeah. I would do it yeah. if I weren't involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and again, forty dollars for a hardcover. That's gonna uh, like that's also an extremely good deal. Yeah, I, I believe is, we're doing. That is a good price. Well, I so think we're doing shipping US later. Dollars. But even even still, we're not. It's not like you get the volume discount. We're not going to be making that many of them. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. So, so that's what thirty five you know, US dollars. Uh, Thirteen Canadian is eight pounds twenty pounds standing. Uh, eight pounds. No, it's not eight pounds. Forty dollars Canadian what? is eight pounds. So no, no, it's fourteen. Yeah, it's yeah. Four, Oh, yeah, the 14, no, 14, 14 is eight pounds. The, the PDF, the lowest buy-in. Oh, sorry, I was talking about forty for the no, hardcover. No, no, no. Sorry, yeah. that's what I was saying. Patience, yeah. trust, patience. Uh, Fourteen <laughs> Canadian dollars is also ten point six two US dollars at the moment. Yeah, uh, which what is, a deal. Yeah, that, that, that's quite good. Uh, and forty Canadian dollars is about thirty, thirty and thirty-four cents. Um, US 30, dollars. Thirty US dollars for a hardcover. That's a really good. That price. is that yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. So I believe what's happening here is that uh, Jim is using the Kickstarter to sort of subsidize the thing that he wants to make anyway, right? Mm-hmm. He's got all his. I'm not going to speak for him necessarily, but I think that's what's happening. He's got all his, right. he's got all his, his fancy Marvel comic book money, maybe. Wow. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's like, I want to make this thing. I don't want to have to pay for all of it. So I'm not sure the Kickstarter is even necessarily covering all the expenses it, for it. It's twenty three forty two for the hardback. Are you? Making money? <laughs> is, is it plus really, shipping? Is it about six? Well, yeah, you have to pay for shipping, but yeah, wow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, look, like I said, I'm not running the Kickstarter. Mm. That's you know, Jim and George Rohack, who's run a ton of successful Kickstarters, including all the Atomic Robo Kickstarters. They they regularly publish their comics and hard these really nice hardcovers, and they come out. So I know I know they know what they're doing. Mm. So uh, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, those are really really affordable pledge levels. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I would, I would hope that we get more than however many it is, 324 people. I, I would like to get this book in front of more people's eyes mm. than that yeah. because yeah. it's going to be a really fun, gorgeous book. I am, uh, when I get involved in a project like this, like I was with Atomic Robo, I get very, very invested in it being as good as possible. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I mm. don't cut any corners and it's important to me too that um, like for Atomic Robo and this, if you are a fan of the comic, you're going to love this. 
if you don't know the comic, you're going to become a fan of the comic yeah. by through this, right? Yeah. That's that's my goal always is to like, you know, I want those two groups to come together and through this one book. Yeah. So I'm so, very I'm very determined to make the the adventure part as fun and as flavorful as you know as skull kickers full as possible. Yeah. If we do back this, when when should we expect to see that one fulfilled? June next year. I believe June for the print stuff. Uh, yeah. The PDF should come. Sooner than that. Bit before um, that, yeah. Yeah. Marvelous. And I mean, who knows? Maybe if things improve in the world in terms of quarantine, <laughs> then things could be better. Doesn't seem likely. Um, I say that as an American. It I doesn't seem it, like we're headed about that direction. To go in the opposite direction again, but hey. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, I, you know, I to me, it it seems like a a pretty decent turnaround to mm. you know June for a printed product is. Um, good, but we are determined to get this thing done. We, I, I think about this book all the time, literally always yeah. thinking about it. Uh, have trouble sleeping yeah. at night because I think of how to solve well, problems with the book. I've been there. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so June for the print stuff and probably earlier for the PDF. So I believe everything has a delivery date of June, but I bet it's going to be sooner on the PDF. Nice. It looks good. It looks good. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on. You bet. Thanks for having yeah. me. Like yeah, I say. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I, yeah. I, as I said to you before the podcast, I wasn't familiar with Skull Kickers before yeah. you contacted me. I am now, right. and I, I like what I see. Yeah. Good. And you can get. I gotta say, I was in, I was in a similar boat. Jim put out a call for mm -hmm. people to work on a secret project thing. Yeah. And I was like. I'd like to work on a secret project thing, so I contacted him. <laughs> it doesn't and, matter what it is. It could be yeah. a Death Star for what I know. <laughs> I was like, well, it's probably going to be pretty cool. I, at D&D Live last year, I saw him play Minsk, mm. dressed as Minsk, his head shaved with a big purple thing on his face, and Matt Mercer sat next to him playing Boo with like little whiskers, and he just squeaked the whole time. So I'm like, this seems like a fun guy. I'd like to work with him on something. So I contacted him on Twitter and mentioned that I had done the Atomic Robo game. He's a big fan of Atomic Robo, so he contacted mm -hmm. Brian Clevenger yeah. and said, how about this guy? And Brian told him that, you know, I just basically did all of that game. And, nice. you know, I guess he must have told him I was good to work with because he came right back <laughs> immediately and said, okay, I'll hire you. Aww, so, um, so yeah, I'm, and I wasn't familiar with Skull Kickers. He sent me all the PDFs and it was another situation of like, yes, I would want to work on this even if I weren't already committed to working on this. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a, it's a fun comic. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think that's the show for today. Yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Mike, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, not me, but I've enjoyed talking to Like I said, <laughs> long time listener, first time yeah. guest. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say yeah. my, my Twitter handle just in case anyone wants to hear oh, more yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, okay. I'm at Devlin1, D-E-V-L-I-N-1. It's my middle name and then the number one. Okay. And you can find the Kickstarter for the next two weeks. Yeah over at kickstarter.com um, and uh, just just uh, remind uh, listeners what was the full name of the kickstarter uh, skull kickers caster bastards and the great grotesque <laughs> I just love that title yeah. <laughs> so next week we've got Mark Langworthy he's coming on to talk all about the Hellboy RPG Ooh, wow, that's exciting I look forward to talking about that isn't he also working on Rogue Trooper he's also the line manager on 2000 AD oh, and yeah, he's just okay. produced Rogue Trooper has he oh well I'll we'll have to yes. ask him about that as well all right, until next week, it's goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Pete Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. And it's goodbye from me, Mike Olson. Apparently I now have to read this to you. 
This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Next week, we have got Mark Langworthy, who's going to come on and talk to us all about Rogue Trooper, the latest in the 2000 AD line. Fantastic. I I may steal some time to ask him about Hellboy as well. Sorry, Russ. Just so you know. No, that's what he's coming on to talk about, isn't he? He's coming on to talk about Hellboy. Let me do that bit again. Okay, maybe you should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Daryl.